One pound for the house. That's all we need, baby. One for the house. Oh, oh, come on. Pimp juice. We are back with the fall kickoff, and we got a pimp tonight, bro. Mr. Qu- Chris Willen is calling in. If I can stay, uh, get off my, but, 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 get off my goddamn tongue. I tell you what, if somebody doesn't pronounce your name for you first, you're done. I'm done, man. I'm over. <laughs> but goddamn, I cannot wait to talk to Chris. We're back, and I will not pronounce names until somebody says it for me first. I, that it's, wasn't just pronouncing names. I was not being able to talk. Crap your drink. Did, did you have a what stroke over there? I did. Natty it's, Bo, man. <laughs> National Bohemian. You know, man, it's getting to be, man, I froze my ass off last night, and it's getting to feel like some musky weather. It's it, starting to feel like some fall fishing, getting back into your, you know, what we really like to go on. You know, I know Mark's a big musky. I'm even like, saying for us, it's trout, but... It feels so much like musky weather. We're standing Mark up to go throw hoppers tomorrow. <laughs> but I'm, I, but I told Mark I'm gonna, I'm gonna float our I'll little. I'll enjoy local. that pleasant wade by myself tomorrow. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'm gonna take a musky rod out. I'm sure Derek would want to go. He's gonna meet me there later on. Yeah, I'm gonna go through. Hopefully, mow a couple off the bat and get him on a couple. After. Give him all sore lips before he gets there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna right, take a probably rod better than his Sunday. sore legs. What's that? So I'm gonna take a musky rod Sunday. You doing a float Sunday? Yeah. There was a spot we talked to a guy. Uh-huh. That was walking out that had a musky hit. I know. A few weeks back. I, uh, why not throw one there? Just tell Dad, sit down a row for me for this section. You guys can go back to smallmouth fishing after this. Exactly, man. That's what let I would me, do. Let me hit it. I would love to pull one out of our river. Mm-hmm. It's our namesake, man. Someday. So, hey, tonight's show is being brought to us by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com. Tim's. It's that time of the year. Go get your cold weather gear, get your bibs, check your Sims waders, stay dry. Simsfishing.com. Hey, if you're tying any uh, flies for this uh, fall, uh, you know, kickoff, tie them on an Eric's hook. Sticky sharp. Eric'shooks.com. Hey, tonight's show is being brought to us live from the Urban Fly Company Studios. 
check them out at urbanflycompany.com. And if you guys want to check it out, Mark's got some new gear, man. It's looking sexy. T-shirt I'll tell you showed what. up today. Yeah, so they're sweet. Like I already got through them. I think I'm about halfway through the box. So. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, you're probably going to hear this before they hit the website. So let me know if you want one. This is Wednesday. This will yeah. be out Wednesday. You're airing this tonight, then. No. Wait, Wednesday. Which is today? Today's Friday. Friday. Oh. Today's Friday, it's bro. It's Friday, bro. Wow. Yeah, we're fishing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I went blank on that one. Hey, also check out Why Not in their app, The Dock. Yeti, built for the wild. Queen City Guiding. Check out Ryan Evans. Steelhead is going to be heating up here real soon. Uh, I know he has flow trips for other things, but, uh, you know, hit him up at queencityguiding.com. Hey, and next Wednesday, we're going to be interviewing Ryan Evans for a little bit extra fall kickoff. We're going to do some steelhead, some lake trout, all of western New York's uh, favorite fishing. He came in for some of our favorite fishing this past weekend, and it sounded I was out of town, but it sounded like you guys had just a hell of a time. I always have a hell of a time with Ryan. I tell you what. Well, you just have a hell of a time regardless. <laughs> with these temperatures, <laughs> you're one good rain off them fish starting to go up in there. And oh, I'm it'll sure. It'll be time to hit them up. Oh, yeah. Next week, we got three uh, days in the low 40s. Last two Lows. times we've been there have been has been pretty hot, though. Oh, we it need water. A, on the, lo- the low temps, man, have fish acting all. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. This next week, we got I highs I think you guys are 70. talking about different fish. You're talking about Ryan's fish, right? I'm talking about Ryan's fish. Jay's talking oh. about his hybrids. Oh, I was talking about <laughs> oh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm talking about steelhead. You're oh, going to go book a trip with yeah, Ryan. You're no, going to go yes, fish for steelhead. Yes, yes absolutely. And it, you have to get some rain. And hopefully we do. We need like three or four days of it. But I don't know. Without that, you know, that, that won't. They'll, but they'll be staging hard. They'll be sitting out there staging oh. and getting ready and getting ready and getting ready until we get that big. Three straight nights in the low 40s. That's going to move them fish in. Mm-hmm. Like you said, right you at the mouth. Some rain. Light's yeah. changing enough now that the fish are moving with light too. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's we're pre eight o'clock. We're good, we're dark. Yeah, that's nice. So I mean, that's substantial from eight weeks ago. It makes me feel like football's around. It is around because just last night was uh, opening night. It's sure like all, all day I'm standing out in the middle of the service bay and I got the door open. I got oh, like, what so are you good. doing? Like it's freezing i love it it's it like good it's not 95 degrees i'm gonna stand here and i'm gonna enjoy this is like 7 40 in the morning it's like i'm gonna enjoy this 50 some degrees mm. leave me be oh, i did that. I, I opened all the garage doors at seven o'clock this morning <gasps> and then then by 8 30 it was sweltering hot again i was like oh i'm over this <laughs> and i haven't been drinking like at nights i've been going home going straight to bed because i've been putting my bet my boy to school for or been putting my boy to bed for school. So I've been going to bed like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. How many have you had? Three. But I haven't drank all week. And I feel and you like... haven't sh- eaten dinner. I have not eaten dinner. <laughs> there you go. Oh, next he hasn't got the shakes out yet. Next Once he gets that, you'll be back in action. Next Wednesday, or next Wednesday's interview with Ryan Evans is going to be a real shit show. I'll tell you that much. When we go off to air, I want you to shotgun <laughs> two bears. Deal. All right. All right. Well, hey, speaking of that, I think we should go take a break and uh, give Chris a call. Awesome. And we are back with Chris Willen from Chris Willen Guide Service. What is going on, brother? Not much, man. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, it's our pleasure. We love to talk to you, man. Good deal. um, Hey, Chris, we had talked about, let's do a little bit of a, a fall kickoff. Sounds great. So what... 
what is going into the transition from the the summer season to the fall season for you? What are you doing different this time of year? Well, I'm pretty much musky fishing all the time, so I'm not doing a lot different. Um, the bat, the smallmouth bass trips pretty much fall off here. For many of my buddies and other guides up here, is their go time for smallmouth. You know, they start their transition downhill, and uh, a lot of guys are into that man it's totally fun and I, I i enjoy it also i just don't do it um so not a lot changes for me other than uh i'm not wearing flip-flops anymore man it's a little chilly out <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i hear you what's your temps up there now um our water temperature is rapidly approaching 60 degrees in the river um oh, it nice. dropped pretty fast uh we had a cold front happen and we pretty much went from straight summer to fall here. So we've got oh. air temperatures in the mornings of low 40s. And then um, during the day, it's it's getting up into the 60s. Um, today, it was a little cloudy and cool. And I think it kind of that cold front stuff started really caught up to me today. Prior to today, we've been having really good action. Um, the fish adjusted well to the cold front. And I think it just kind of caught up to them and it was a little slower today we only put one in the bag and we fished really hard and we didn't see anything until that uh one fish ate and then we had some other crazy action happening around us but uh <clears throat> never moved another fish so uh you got to slow down a little bit you know you can't be just cat uh casting or stripping and, and in real fast you know you gotta you gotta slow down um i i really love I'm here. I really, really like the bigger deer hair head stuff, double nickels, beefers. Keep in the zone. That's that's really important this time of year as the water starts to cool. You got to make sure that that fly is in the zone for as long as it can possibly be. If you cast into the eddy and rip it right out, um, not not super conducive to moving a lot of fish. Chris, when do you find that that temperature change kind of starts into that? Is that like mid-upper 60s where you see you can stop burning it like a bucktail and switch to something that hangs a little bit? Uh, yeah, I would say below 65. Um, when you start getting that, uh, you know, just over 60 degrees, you slow down a bit. You got to you gotta have stuff that's dancing a little bit more. Um, the side-to-side stuff is great. Um, just straight kind of lateral stuff doesn't really work as well for me um on the transition and that will come back into play um as it cools and gets really a lot colder uh the straight more lateral type flies will 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 come back into play but right now i want to i want to see some dancing you know so you're you're throwing mainly articulated flies at this time of year yeah a lot of articulated stuff but also eli's um Eli's Optimus Swine, which is a single hook fly. Mm-hmm. That fly, in my opinion, is the absolute best walk the dog fly. Um, so side to side um, action that that you can get out of a fly. Uh, they're very consistent with a snap strip. You kind of have to you'll, you'll figure out the strip once you start fishing that fly to get it to really kick side to side to side. Um, some of uh, Matt Growski stuff will do that too. Whereas like a Buford will a lot of times usually kick downstream and occasionally kick upstream, um, which will, you know, trigger fish as well. But I really like, uh, when the fish are a little finicky, um, that kind of, 
hypnotic, Larry would call it hypnotic side to side, you know, real, real tight back and forth. Um, that, that really helps out. Do you get into, into any of the bigger changers or? Oh, for sure. Um, as long as people can, as people want to cast them, I, I love having a big changer out. Um, you know, it just d- depends on, on who I've got in the boat and, and their ability. Um, some of those bigger changers are, you guys know, I mean, it can be pretty tough to cast. So, um, oh, especially all day. They're a bear. I'm not doing it. So, uh, for the bigger changers, <laughs> what what do you prefer that they're tied with? You know, because you know, there's a thousand uh, materials anymore that they could be tied with. Yeah, man. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head there. There's there's a whole lot of options, and it seems like um, ever so ever so often here, Blaine's coming out with a new one that's got different materials that are um, getting exponentially easier to cast. You know, a lot of synthetic stuff. I have to say though, I am a sucker for just a straight up bucktail changer. Oh yeah. Um, they work really good. They move really well. I can tie them pretty well. Um, which is a, a big thing too. Some of his stuff, I just can't get him to look like he does, you know? Well, no one yeah. can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, that's definitely a, a, a frustrating thing. You sit down and tie with him. Like I remember one time we were at his house, we we're in his basement and he's tying a fly and uh, I was just looking at it like, dude, you did that so fast. Like, I don't like that would have taken me 20 minutes. You did it in a minute and a half, you know, like he's just, he's got it down. It's, um, it's pretty cool to watch. Now, do you consider the changer a lateral fly or is that a side to side? Uh, it depends on which one you're doing. Um, you know, I would say a lot of times that's more of a lateral type fly, um, but if you do tie them with the bucktail and you do it with like a deer hair head, they will kick around a bit. Um, but the, the, where the changer really shines is where, you know, you want that kind of serpentine swimming, you know, and it looks really real and you can get it kind of in their zone. Um, I love fishing changers real deep because you know that it's swimming. Um, you know, you fish like a B1G or a Buford or a Optimus Swine and you're fishing it deep and, and you've got an idea of what it's doing, but you're not sure, right? You don't know if it's really kicking side to side, like it's supposed to. Um, but with the changer, it's kind of like a, like a, like a foolproof deal. You know, it's down there just swimming. It's like fishing a Rapala. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, a big rubber bait or something, you know, that tail's kicking around, you know, it's doing what it needs to do. You, uh, so overall you, do you, you prefer natural materials over synthetics or? You know, I do, but I sure do catch a lot of fish on the craft fur changers, um, and people can cast those, and and I really like that one. There's a uh, craft fur brush that's kind of a black core with yellow, um, longer fibers, and I tie with that one a lot. I don't know if you guys have noticed over the years I'm a big fan of yellow. Just a little. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's kind of a... If I've got two guys in the boat casting, I've almost always got one of them throwing that yellow, white, and black pattern, unless I'm really seeing, like, okay, they're really biting chartreuse, or they're on orange, or, you know, fill in the blank. But very rarely do I have two guys in the boat, and not one of them is throwing that pattern for me, because that's just, I just have so much confidence in it, and um, I think the confidence uh, is contagious, you know? Yeah. So if, if I'm feeling like that's really going to work, then the person fishing it 
is going to have that feeling as well. And, and they're stripping it right and they're casting it well. And, and it's just, you guys know when you're, when you're in the zone, you you have that feeling like, okay, we're going to get something, you know, and that's, that's how I feel when I'm in a good musky spot and I'm throwing that fly. Like I'm pretty confident that something will move to it. So we had a, we had Tommy on a little bit ago and he, he was name dropping. He's like, Oh yeah, I was fishing with Chris Willen, you know, and we were catching fish on the, the D and, uh, have you ever put a D head, like the drunken disorderly head, on a changer to see what the action would be? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I haven't tied them like that, but Schultze has. Okay. And uh, Schultze will come up and, and bring a whole, you know, a whole cornucopia of flies that he's tied, and he's caught some fish on the the changer with the wedge head for sure. And Tommy Tommy did as well. Uh, I actually have a really funny story about. Tommy. Oh, um, please tell us, please. <laughs> so Tommy, I love Tommy to death. He's super high energy and he just, that's why we know, love Tommy also. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And kind of going back to what I just said, it's contagious. His high energy is contagious and it makes you be high energy, you know? And I wanted him to catch a muskie so badly. And you know, I want everyone to catch a big muskie, obviously, but you know, I wanted to see, see Tommy, fight one and, and, and go through everything and, and have a good time with it. <laughs> I've never seen, I've only seen this one time. Tommy gets this muskie to eat. He sets the hook like Tommy does hard as hell. And he must've brained it. I don't know what the hell he did this, fish, but it came in stiff as a board. And I was just like, and it like went right in the net, like literally just like he was stripping in a two by four. And he's like, man, I, I thought these things fought. And I was just like, Tommy, I don't know what you did that day. But I've never seen that before. And I took the fly out and put it back in the water, and the fish took off. And it was like, what did you do? Like, <laughs> the fish whisperer, man, right? He whispered yeah, he it in, man. He's like, no, I give up. I'm done. He's <laughs> so, like, take, take me back to my brown trout streams. This is stupid. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was hilarious, man. It was uh I've never seen that before. That was years and years ago. And um <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. It was hilarious. You haven't seen it since, right? <laughs> I, I yeah, and I we're talking about hundreds of muskies from that point to this point and I have not seen it again. So I don't know what he did. I still I'm still perplexed on that. So, Chris, you mentioned that the only thing different from summer and fall is you don't get to wear flip-flops anymore. Well, yeah, there's a few other things too, you know. Yeah, um, but you're um, gonna. I, I had a quick joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure, go ahead. I went musky fishing with Mark last week, and I wore waders, and I porky pigged underneath. What do you wear underneath uh, your waders? Uh, man, like, a, <laughs> like, depends on time of year. I don't wear waders a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, I wear waders almost every day in Tennessee when I'm down there guiding, just because of. Um, the put-ins and I'm down there in my towie with, you know, with the motor and everything. And sometimes I got to get out and walk the boat through some stuff or stuff like that. So, uh, when I'm up here, the only time I really put waders on is if it's like really going to be a nasty rain day, because you guys know, I mean, no matter what you're wearing, if you're sitting in a roller seat all day getting downpoured on, you're, you're going it, to, it'll find a way in. So, uh, that's really the only time I wear them, but usually, I don't know if it's hotter out, I'll, I'll, uh, just go straight up long underwear. So I'm not dying or I'm, uh, wearing some sweatpants or something, you know, so something with a cuff on the ankle. So my, 
sweatpants aren't up around my knees, you know? You, you know, you'd have really made Chad's night if you'd have been like, hey, Chad, I go full commando under my Sims Pro dry bibs. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I told Mark, I was like, I really, he got a new truck. I was like, I really hate to sit in your truck with these waders on, but I don't have any pants on underneath of them. He, he, oh, I seriously sick. thought until you literally took the pants off the waders. I was like, I'm like, literally, wait. I'm like, are you serious? He's seriously going to do this right now. And I'm like, oh, you actually got pants on. I thought for doesn't, sure you had nothing. Butt-ass naked under waders doesn't sound behooving to a uh, large feller like myself. No, I'm. you know what? I'm gaining in stature myself. So it's, it's not <laughs> rapidly. As Jay said earlier, you got a fat face. <laughs> take, a, yeah. take a lot of monkey butt powder. Exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned Tennessee. Uh, how long are you in Wisconsin before you start traveling down to Tennessee? Uh, well, it, it kind of changes. Um, last year was the latest I stayed up here. I uh, So I bought a house up here two years ago. And... Uh, the first year that I bought it, I bought it um, right after season. It was like first week in November. And I was for like two weeks. And I packed up and moved right back into a camper down in Tennessee. And this last year, um, I stuck around a little bit and didn't go down until January. So um, it just kind of changes. And then I don't know what... Uh, you know, what, what the deal is with everything going on with COVID and stuff. I don't know how much, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess the answer is I just don't know when I'm going to go down this year. I, I can tell you that if I'm up here and my buddies down there are telling me that they're biting, I will not be here and I will have to go down there. So, so, um, so is, uh, you know, kind of depends. So is Tennessee, uh, open all year to Muskie and, and Minnesota has a certain season? Wisconsin. Or Wisconsin, either. Yeah. yeah, so the season in Wisconsin is the last Saturday in May. Um, I'm north of Highway 50, so Wisconsin is broken into two zones, the northern and southern zone. <clears throat> and the southern zone opens up, I believe, the first weekend of May. And then the uh, northern z- season doesn't open until the last weekend. So, um, And that's just to protect them for spawn. Um, northern Wisconsin and southern Wisconsin are pretty much you know, two different worlds. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cold up here and everything happens a lot later. So straight, the DNR, um, protects them and, and all that stuff. So, um, they're protected up until usually, uh, they're done spawning every once in a while. We'll have a late spring and, and we'll get the tail end of some spawn and we'll see some, some paired up fish and stuff like that. And if that's the case, I, you know, guys, I don't, I don't want to mess with them. Um, I musky fish so much that, I'm just like, if they're spawning, I'll, I'll just keep bass fishing for a bit and, and, and wait for them to be done because, uh, you know, I want that to be successful. I, I, I really, one of the great things that we have up here is natural reproduction. So to hinder that selfishly by going to catch them is, I don't know, I just can't do it. So I, uh, I'll leave them be. And, but you know, that's very, very rare. Um, this year we had, a a normal spawn. And we were musky fishing right away, so it was good. Hey, I want to go back to touch on what we were just talking about for a second. So whenever you get, like, hung up on a season or you don't know what's going on moving back and forth, does that hinder the ability for you to, like, book guide trips? I mean, are, 
your clients already booking in advance looking to be in a specific area or are they kind of hanging where where you're going to be at um my clients are awesome man they'll they'll uh they'll kind of do what i think is the best thing to do so if we're booked for musky and musky fishing is bad or it's too hot or something like that they're usually pretty pretty great to just be like yeah let's go catch some smallmouth you know so um that would would kind of be uh you know they're, they're all of them almost always are just like hey it's up to you whatever you think is the whatever we're going to do to have the most fun today let's let's do that I, so i guess i was kind of touching cool. more like location wise so location wise so tennessee's tough for me guys because um those rivers blow out really really a lot uh, just a little bit of rain and they'll turn them into chocolate milk. So I tell everyone when they book with me in Tennessee, like, Hey, you know, this is a 50, 50 shot that we're even going to get to fish. So, um, this past year was a lot better the year before I've never canceled so many guide trips in my life. You know, like we, it cost me money to be in Tennessee. I made negative dollars because I had to cancel so many trips um, because it just wouldn't stop raining. We had more rain than Seattle, Washington, which is ridiculous. Um, so that, that's tough. So we, we deal with that. Um, and then, you know, up here in Wisco, I, I don't book real heavy for muskie opener. Um, and I'll usually book like some of my more local guys so they can be, um, sorry, Larry's calling me. I'm going to have to decline this. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, you're declining Larry Dahlberg for us? Gotta talk to you guys, man. I, I feel some sort of way right now, man. I'm beaming. I hope <laughs> you're, you're beaming. We'll get back to you when you can get back to us. <laughs> tell, tell me you can join in. He's been on before. Yeah, he's been on here before once. He would probably love it. He would, oh. he would, he would make fun of me the whole time. <laughs> if we could conference Larry in, that would be the best. <laughs> next time but uh but, <clears throat> yeah so i mean you know just getting back to what we were talking about it's it's it you know fishing you guys know it's it's day to day and it can be things change and what changes and and everything on on what we're doing so um you know if if things aren't going my guys are usually pretty cool about uh you know doing something different so chris speaking of you know, being in Wisconsin, uh, Tennessee two years ago and it costing you money and 2020 being the year that it has been, how have you handled the, the COVID uh, outbreak this year? Has it uh, affected you man, or what, what's going on, man? It was really tough. So I was in Tennessee um, when everything kind of uh, hit the fan, so to speak. And I had three days off and I called my buddy from up here in, in northern wisconsin and i was like dude you should come down fishing's pretty good i got three days we could fish three days and then i was pretty much guiding like i don't know high teens or 20 something days in a row and i was like okay so he, he and he never fished down there. so he came down for three days and we smoked him we were on him we caught six fish in three days two fish a day um uh, five of the fish really, really nice. And then we caught one that was a little bit smaller, but, um, 
biggest one being 46 that he caught he caught five i caught one and um yeah it was it was good man and i was like stoked for the upcoming uh you know run of guide trips i was gonna have because it was gonna be good we had good weather they were they weren't projecting any rain like i was really chomping at the bit to uh get on the oars and 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 do a bunch of guiding and all of a sudden it it hit the fan and my phone just didn't stop ringing hey i'm not coming i'm not coming i'm not coming which i totally understood um it's obviously not worth risking your health to to go fish uh unless you're a sick human like myself but uh <laughs> you know i i it, it happened so quickly that literally i just looked at my buddy and i was like dude you're driving home tomorrow and <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna convoy dude so he literally helped me pack up my whole camper and all my stuff and put my whole life back into my truck and my boat. And, and we left and there was a few people that I called that I was like, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. I'm, I'm cutting the rest of the season short. And most everybody was like, yeah, we weren't going to come anyway. So that was tough. Um, you know, being that my business is just me, uh, it was really hard um, for the first few months. Uh, I, you know, not to get too too into it, but I got denied for every government aid thing that you could apply for because I didn't have employees or I didn't qualify or this or that. So it was uh, pretty lean there for a little bit um, and scary, you know, just as a business standpoint and and trying to survive through it, it was uh, it was a little weird. Um, you know, but it, you did. We all did what we had to do. Uh, I was by far not the only guy in that boat. All my buddies in the Keys, you know, that was their busiest time of year. So, um, you know, I'm talking to guys that are losing thirty, forty plus thousand dollars of their livelihood, and it was uh, it was sickening. You know, I mean, I guess the is the only word that I could think of. And and there was nothing we could do about it. You know, being a guide, being a full time guide, the hard part is booking the trips, you know, getting getting the trips on the books and going fishing and taking people fishing is is fun. You know, I mean, that's yeah, that's why what, you do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we live to do. And and so having something that's completely out of your control uh basically tear your business apart is really a hard pill to swallow and you know a lot of guys like myself i mean guiding doesn't happen overnight you know you 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 have to put in years of very lean years of not doing a ton of guide trips learning your water learning the business learning what to do you know so for me where like this time in my career or whatever you want to call it i i'm i'm busy you know i'm 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 doing well and it's it was hard for me to be like man i spent all these years <clears throat> living in a camper living in the towy boat factory living on schultz's couch living in the back <laughs> of your fly shop just dirt living in, it. you know like doing all this stuff and it's like you know it accumulates and and you 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 build the business and things start going well and then it's like it's all taken out from underneath you. It's, it was hard, man. 
I, I can't lie to you guys. It was it was tough. So on a brighter but, note, just oh, I'm sorry. Just on a brighter note, for that time, did you get to at least spend that time on the water to, with yourself and uh, maybe with a small group of people and just at least just have a good time for yourself? Yeah, you know, I was doing a lot of fishing by myself. Uh, I was taking my girl. Um, Larry and I were fishing quite a bit, um, but even even that, at first, that it shit. was like. You know, do you do you go and and risk exposing someone else or exposing yourself? You know, I mean, do not expose Larry to COVID. Please, yeah, please. Yeah, he's a national exactly. treasure, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was uh, that was tough at first. You know, I mean, there was literally times where I just was like, guys, I you know, my buddies were calling to go fish. I, I, I you know, who nobody knew. Nobody no, knew what the heck was going on. So if I, I wasn't on a brook trout stream, bit. if I wasn't on a brook trout stream by myself for those first couple of weeks, I, I wasn't even fishing. Yeah. I mean, it was the same here. So we had, this was the first year that the DNR changed the smallmouth bass rules and smallmouth bass was open April 1st, catch and release. So April one, I was out and I actually got stopped by the DNR at, at a boat landing. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm bass fishing. He's like, we well, can't do that. And I'm like, well, yeah, you can. Yes, you can. And I had to, I had to show him on my phone the Wisconsin regulations change. He didn't even know, which I don't blame him. I mean, there was a million and a half things going on. Sure. So you know, totally fair that he didn't know that that changed. But yeah, I mean, he was ready to write me up, take my shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got you, buddy. Yeah. yeah and and it was actually really funny. My girlfriend was with me that day and we couldn't catch a bass to save our life, but we were catching the brakes off walleyes and walleye season's closed. And so we weren't keeping them. And, uh, you know, I was catching them on sex dungeons. I was catching them on Murdich minnows. I was, my girlfriend was throwing the spinning rod. She's catching them on little soft plastics. And I'm like, you know, this is fun, but, and I, backstory a little bit i am the worst walleye fisherman you've ever met in your life okay <laughs> I can't wait you're from wisconsin be... and you suck at walleye fishing dude yeah I, i'm bad at it. larry makes fun of me he'll catch like five of them in a row and i'll just literally sit down and be like yeah i'm not there's no point like i i won't catch him do you so at least eat them really funny to me on this walleye bite where we were catching all these walleyes and my girlfriend caught a 28 incher, which is huge. Um, at least for our rivers, that's, that's a big walleye. And so the DNR guys said, well, what were you guys catching? And of course she's like, walleyes. And I'm like, shut up. They're closed. <laughs> you know, like, cause obviously, you know, we weren't targeting them and we weren't keeping them. So it was just kind of a bycatch thing. But the last thing I wanted to tell the DNR was <laughs> that we were catching something that wasn't in season. Um, <clears throat> when he's trying to write me up for fishing out of season smallmouth when, when that was open. So it was kind of funny. And we all, we all laughed about it. Even the, even the officer laughed about it. Cause he's like, you don't have any with you. Right. I was like, no, no, I didn't keep any. He's like, okay, good. You know, <laughs> okay, but good. it was, uh, it was pretty funny. We all had a chuckle and he was cool about it. You know, he was just checking, doing what he was supposed to do. So, you know, now, you know, getting into what you're doing now, like all the regulations are and everything's been set in place and you're, you're full go in Minnesota for the rest of the fall season, right? 
Wisconsin. Yeah, well, I'm in Minnesota, Wisconsin. But, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. It's all the same area. Y'all say A and shit right up there. Come on. We're still trying to teach them a title poles attached to the ocean. You're all right. <laughs> Minnesota, Wisconsin, it's all the same. Yeah, right? so we're in full swing. Um, we've definitely done some, some. Um, I've done, I've made some changes to my program and try to wash the boat down. I mean, I wash the boat every night anyway, but spraying down the casting braces, spraying down the, the seats. Um, I, I'm not doing lunches anymore. Um, people have to bring their own food. I just didn't want to be handling people's food, so. Um, We've done the best we could do, you know. Um, What's a Chris Will and Shore lunch? What's that? What was? What? Yeah, what was a Chris Will and Shore lunch? What'd you pack for lunch? Man, I got to be honest with you guys. I am not, like, one of those Michigan dudes that's busting out a grill. or I want a musky fish. I want a fish. I don't want to sit there for a half hour and make lunch. So, and you guys know, I mean, musky fishing... I, the more time the flies in the water, the better chance that we have of putting one in the back. So my lunches are pretty sparse, man. I mean, we're having uh, wraps, sandwiches. Uh, Larry got me on the taco salad. We do that some. Um, just basically something that I can get my guys to eat in 10 to 15 minutes and, and we can get back to fishing. So um, granola bars, pieces of fruit stuff like that just really and um nothing too fancy man both guided trips i've been on same or same exact way absolutely yeah you know i mean i can dig the uh you know making somebody a hot hot lunch making them a bratwurst or something like that i i, I get it it just ain't me um i want to fish so <clears throat> so uh before we uh, we heated the mics up, we were talking about your buddies from uh, today's angler. Yeah, um, yeah. That that is a great YouTube channel, and if you search it deep enough, you find a couple episodes with yourself in it. Yeah, I think. Man, I don't even know. We've probably done seven or eight at this point, and uh, I did one with them a couple days ago. So there'll be another one coming out here pretty soon. That uh, <clears throat> we were in Robbie's boat out on a lake throwing throwing bucktails. And uh, you guys are going to want to see that one. It was pretty awesome. Awesome, man. I can't wait to see it. So uh, I did see when they were in your boat, you were teaching, I think, Robbie how to row. And you got to cast a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they let me fish uh, uh, occasionally. Um, when uh, when Lee comes up. So Lee, Robbie lives up here now. So he's, uh, he's only about an hour and change away from me and Lee's down in Madison, which is three plus hours. And, you know, he's real busy with the bait company and, and everything else. So when he comes up, we, we just let him fish the whole time. And, and usually Robbie too, when, when those guys are up, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, with COVID and, and not being crazy busy, uh, I had a lot of time to go and, and screw around and, and film with those guys. So, uh, my buddy, Michael, uh, jumped in the boat for a few of them and Michael fishes with me regularly. And so he knows how to row a little bit. And Robbie, uh, is getting, getting better, man. He's got a little canoe that he's been paddling around on some of these smaller rivers. And, um, he was doing some cool pike stuff, uh, in his little rowboat. So he always jokes around when he's rowing he, in some of the episodes of, 
he uh he always goes i'm chris Wellens for the day <laughs> yeah. he's getting at it man and it's nice for me to to cast a little bit with him i uh i think the episode you're talking about where he was rowing and i was fishing i had a really big one come in on a top water bait and i'm not used to fishing with tripods and all kinds of shit around me so i went in to go to my figure eight and just my rod right <laughs> and the fish spooked and it was a really good one probably you know, a, a, approaching four feet long and I, and I was just like so who put sad this goddamn I, tripod here you know yeah and robbie's like dude are you ready to kill me right now and i'm like no i'm pretty upset at myself for being dumb enough to do that you know it just is what it is and and robbie's getting good man he's getting good on the sticks he's gonna uh he's gonna take over for me any day so teaching, yeah, I've taught it. I've I've helped teach a couple people to row. And do you find that somebody that was rowed or paddled actually a kayak or a canoe like is totally different? They 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 seem like the worst like rowers when it comes to center rowing a you know a drift boat or raft. Like I tried yeah. to, I tried to train uh, my co- my brother in law and it was like oh my god he's he's a, he's a, athletic smart guy too and i'm like geez guy come on man this is this come on they're the worst if they rope or uh, paddle kayaks first yes i think yeah yeah well there's always a learning curve when it comes to the drift boat i was not good at it when i started uh i specifically remember you mean you come out of the womb rowing <laughs> i actually so like growing up i had a rowboat and that's all i had and i lived really close to a lake and my rowboat was in the lot. There was an empty lot there where a lot of people kept their rowboats. So I have been rowing a boat for a very long time. But the current thing is different. You know, you go from rowing on a lake to rowing on a river, and it changes things. And the the turning point for me um, for learning how to row a drift boat was I was fishing with my buddy Tim Fisher, who taught me a ungodly amount of information about fly fishing um when i first started no bass steelhead stuff like that i caught my first muskie on the fly with timmy um but we were in his row skiff which he had when he was in high school um so that's how long he'd been rowing drift boats but we were in the boat with him and his dad timmy was in the front timmy's dad was in the back i'm rowing tim's fly fishing in the front of the boat tim's dad was probably throwing a fluke or something on a spinning rod and I was not doing well. It was windy. I was struggling a little bit and we were really close to shore. And I just remember Tim throwing almost his entire fly line in the woods, turning around, whipping his eight weight at me and just yelling, you go effing get it. (laughs) And I was just like, (laughs) and uh, I, that's literally, I I swear, that was when it clicked for me. And the rest of the day, I rode pretty good. And from that point on, I, I pretty much had it. And it was like, it just took one of my best friends whipping <laughs> a fly rod at me and cussing me out for me to figure it out. <laughs> Do you have any certain like tips or tricks to teach someone to row. I I know we have a, a little <clears throat> technique that we like to do. I remember the the same exact moment that Chad had with me. I almost put us into a giant log jam in a Y in a river, a river, and 
He, I'm like, I don't know what to do. He said, do something. I don't care what you do. Just do something. Please do something. <laughs> and I'm, I, I wrote us out of it, ass away from danger, and wrote us out of it. But that was the moment, like you said, it clicked for me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it just depends on people's backgrounds. Like you guys said, if, if they're coming straight out of a canoe they're uh, they're going to be a little bit tricky to, to, to train. Um, but you know, I just, you just got to tell them it's all about where the ass end of the boat is. You know, if your ass ends pointing towards shore, you're going to end up on shore. If you're pointed out to the middle of the river, you're going to end up in the middle or on the other, other side. So, um, and I am, I'm not the the one to teach somebody to row. I, my, my patience level for that is very short. So I just assume that everyone should be excellent at it. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> and, and when they when they fail to be excellent at it, I I, I get a little upset with you them. Just berate but, them. But um, you whip your eight weight at them. <laughs> no, I've never done that. Uh, I did get a little upset with my girlfriend once, which was freaking horrible of me. But <laughs> that. uh, that's, she was just like that's the I one caught, lady I couldn't teach a row. My wife cannot row, and I can't teach her. I could teach her. You can't teach her. Yeah. I could teach your wife. She's, she's actually really good at it now. And prior to the cool down, she was rowing me. And I had like the most epic, like power hour of smallmouth on poppers. And we were just like, at one point she was like, this is so fun. I get it now. And I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> that was you foreplay. understand. That was foreplay, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we immediately had to get off the river. Yeah. <laughs> All right, pull over. Oh, <laughs> but, so uh, awesome. Yeah, so it was, it's fun, man. She's getting better at it. And um, I always, you know, it happens maybe like once or twice a year where a customer will be like, hey, let me row for a minute. I want to see what it's like. And it's always the same story. Like you end up spinning in a circle or you're – onshore or you know it's something like that and they're like well it's a little harder than i thought it's like yeah man <laughs> it's not just i'm not just sitting here so, so uh one thing we learned to to teach people that have never done it before and you probably know this but i can never think when i'm in the bow of a boat but when i'm in the, the back i can tap the person in the rower seat on the shoulder like which sure. arm which arm they should be pulling back with and sure. that's a, a little thing that we found to help people try to learn, you know? I did that. My wife told me to stop being an asshole. <laughs> Quit tapping oh, yeah. on the show like an asshole. I've heard that. <clears throat> I got a pretty funny story about teaching my buddy uh, Bearcat to row. <clears throat> my buddy, uh, well, you guys probably know Lance Bolt. He's kind of in your neighborhood. Uh, we've, was, we've never made the connection, but we know the name. Yeah, so he was up here on a guide trip with my buddy Brian with Lucky. And I had the day off and Lance brought his drift boat up here. I think he was like in transition going one place to another and he just had his drift boat with, and he, he's like, Oh man, take my boat today. I was off and my buddy, uh, Bearcat and I, Derek, we're going to go, um, fishing. And he's like, Oh, take my boat. I want to see if you, if you like rowing it. And I was like, ah, I'll just take it. I, I barely knew the guy. We're great friends now, but at the time, <laughs> I barely knew the dude. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to take your boat. Well, you know, like, but anyway, after some harassing, I, I ended up saying yes and 
took his boat. I'm fishing my buddy Eric all day. We get into a spot that's, you know, somewhat easy to row. And, and he hadn't rowed a drift boat very much. And uh, so he's like, you, you fish for a minute. So I move a muskie, a really big one at the time. The biggest one I had ever, I ended up catching it, but um, <laughs> biggest one I'd ever caught on fly. So it was a, 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 a ridiculous ordeal. Um, the fish came in super hot, didn't eat in the figure eight, went around a couple times and then turned off. We went back upstream. I changed flies. Fish came in again. Fish didn't eat. Okay, what the heck's going on? Came back, rode back out, came back in with a different fly, and I could see the fish. The fish had moved out of the hole, and it was on this kind of like sandy flat next to some weeds. And I cast that, it cast it wouldn't move. And this is kind of important. Hold Wait, on, you're hey, breaking up hey, a little hey, bit, Chris. So, so hold on for a second, just a second. Chris, hey, walk back to where you were when you first called us. <laughs> I haven't moved. <laughs> Actually, I did move. I'm sitting in the front seat of my boat, which uh, nice to be up here sometimes. Yeah, it's a weird position, Well, well right? go back. Okay, so go back. So you yeah. just fish at this fish, and you switch the fly, and go back to that. Wait, go back and sit in a rower seat and tell us. <laughs> it'll sound more natural um so the fish was there and i'm casting at it casting at it nothing's happening the fish isn't moving i'm thinking okay this fish has followed in a couple times he's he's privy to the game not he's not gonna do it so i cast a little bit outside of him and i swing the fly into his face and the hackle literally touched its face and it just exploded on it and ate it and it was bad ass so freaking cool and this at the time that was like a so we didn't have a bump board we didn't have anything we ended up cutting a piece of mono i land so going back the fish eats okay so i've got the fish on and i'm fighting the fish and bearcat is going around the turn and the fish is going up river and i'm going dude you got to go that way and he's like trying to figure it out and, and it's not happening. And I bailed. I just jumped out. And, and you're 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 not a you're not a small guy jumping out of a boat. No. So I jumped out and I'm like walking to uh the the, the bank and I've got fly lines friggin' everywhere, you know? So now I'm tangled in the fly line both my feet are in my fly line i'm fighting the biggest muskie that i've ever caught at that time and i'm like this sucks like this is not gonna end well (laughs) and i don't realize it but i'm beelining it to the hole (laughs) so i'm not going and it's a very small hole we call it the volkswagen hole it's like the size of a volkswagen and going into it and I, I didn't even realize it because i got so much going on i'm taking like what would be like half steps because the line's all around my feet and <laughs> all of a sudden i go from like waist deep to like shoulder deep and i'm like oh this is not good and i can't freaking move my feet and you wish you were so, nude underneath your waders well i wasn't wearing waders i wasn't even wearing shoes and uh so I end up getting through the hole, get onto the riverbank. I tail the fish. I'm sitting there holding it by the tail. 
uh, Bearcat has now anchored the boat and abandoned it. (laughs) He's got his cell phone like above his head and he's walking over to me to take a picture for me, you know? (laughs) And for some reason, he had the like foresight to grab a spool of mono. So we don't have a bump board. Didn't even have it in the boat. We sort of like loosely measured the fish. You know, that measuring a fish with mono is completely inaccurate in every way. You know, like there's no way to know how big this freaking fish actually was. Um, take, take a short, you know, get a, get a quick photo. We never really, I took the fish out of the water for a picture. We did the measuring in the water. The fish took off great. And, uh, we both <laughs> basically swam back to the boat and, uh, and we, we caught up to Brian and, and, and Lance. And, uh, I can't remember who we had with at the time we're, they were floating in front of us. So we were way behind them, you know, probably an hour or so. Um, you know, we catch up to them. We tell them the whole story that we get home, measure the mono. The mono is exactly 50 inches long. And I'm like, no, no, that fish was not, no, we're not calling it 50, not without measuring it for real. It was an upper forties. It was awesome. That's it. You know, we can never call it 50 inches. And, uh, yeah, it was killer, man. It was, it was totally awesome, but also like a complete shit show. 59 and a half. (laughs) How how many fifties have you caught since then? Uh, me personally, um on fly i've only caught one uh on conventional tackle i think five but um yeah that wasn't i it wasn't a 50 i mean i i've caught him since then i know that was not 50 inches it was probably four footer but uh it was sick so you've you've caught 150 on a fly how many four footers have you caught on a fly too many to count even that yeah the, the two inches so makes all the difference. That's you and I, we had gotten to a little conversation before we fired up the mics. And, you know, like a guy like you that travels to both places, uh, you get to spend plenty of time in Wisconsin. And then you get to go down to Tennessee. What drives you, man? Like, is it the eat? Is it the the look on your guide's face or the guy, people you're guiding's face when they get that first eat? When they, uh, you know, that's a that's a exhilarating moment. No, uh, what got what 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 makes you want to do that? That's a, it's a grind. It's hard. I don't. I wouldn't do it. Mark likes it. I don't. Um, man, it's just like something in me, dude. Like I, if I don't go musky fishing, I feel guilty. Like I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, it's just I just have to do it. I have to do it. If I go a couple days without it, I'm an asshole. Like I'm cranky. I'm irritable. My girlfriend hates me. Like, I just have to go do it. And, you know, we were talking about earlier. So I'm a riser. I get up about 530 every day. On a day off, I still get up about the same time. And I could literally be doing everything that I need to do at home. My emails, dealing with tackle, dealing with boat issues, grease and bearings, you know, whatever it is. I could do it all day long where I don't sit down and I still feel like I haven't done anything. Until I get in my boat and I go fishing. And I can go fishing for a half hour, 47 minutes, an hour. And then I feel like I accomplished something. Even if I don't catch anything. Even if I don't move a fish. 
I feel like, okay, you, you did it. You know, you went out and did it today. Didn't work out, but, or you go out in that last hour of light and you catch one and then you're like, okay, so busted my ass all day, paid off and I fished for an hour and, and I got it done. I, I don't know what it is, but I literally, I can't not do it. You know, when rain days in Tennessee and you're sitting there and you're going, okay, I cannot fish today and I'm not going to be able to fish for probably three days. I'm thinking, okay, do I drive here? Do I drive here? What do I do? I got to do something. You know, there's, there, there, there is places to musky fish when you can't fish where you're at, you know, and it, I don't know. Some people have it, I think. And it, and it's just like, it, the, the best way to describe it is just like, it's just a sickness, man. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm addicted. I'm an, I'm an addict and I just have to do it. And I, you know, musky addict. It's just, it, it's something that, that I need in my life. Otherwise I just don't feel like I'm doing anything, you know? And it's, it's just that constant quest for knowledge constantly, you know, obviously I want to catch one. I want to go out and try to catch one, maybe catch your personal best, you know, go have a killer day where you put a few in the boat, but more than anything, I want to know what they're doing. I want to know what the muskies are doing, if they're biting, where they're sitting, why, why are they sitting there? Why are they doing that? That's where I'm at in my angling right now. I'm at the why stage. I want to know why. I want to know why the fish is in a rapid. I want to know why the fish is tied to wood and not rocks. I want to know why, you know, that there was three muskies in that one spot. Why? You know, like, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. And that's where hanging out with Dahlberg all the time comes into play, like, so much. Like, he knows why. You know, he's he's been musky fishing for 65 years so he's man what a guy like a couple people so when it. when i have a problem or a, 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 a you know not necessarily even a problem but like something that i can't figure out the odds are that he knows he knows the answer and he knows why like it's not even that he knows the answer he knows everything about the answer it's like okay so your temperature's dropped and the water level's declining and the bait's doing this and that's why the fish is there. And you're like, okay. Or temperature's rising, river level's stable, and this is what's happening and that's why the fish is there. And it's like, okay. There's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. It's not just, you know, oh, the fish is there because the bait's there. And that's a very elementary type answer. And a lot of times that is the answer. It's just, hey, the suckers are there. That's why the muskie's there. But there is a lot of other stuff that goes into it. And that's the type of stuff that just keeps me awake. Like, that's the the stuff I'm thinking about when I'm trying to fall asleep or when I wake up in the morning. It's like, why? Why are they doing that? What What is the reason for these fish doing what they're doing? Because there is a reason. They're not just aimlessly swimming around out there. <laughs> well, no. You know? You know, that's your description. That's perfect, too. Because I think it was like last was it last week, a couple weeks ago, Joe Saramelli, when we were talking about musky fish, and he's like, and he like pinpoints the question on him. And I said, you know what? At the end of the day, it provides me with an internal satisfaction that I don't have to justify to anybody. I don't know what it is. I can't put a finger on it, but all I can tell you is I can't do nothing else. Like, I mean, 
these guys are going trout fishing tomorrow. Chad bailed. He goes, you want to come? And it's like, I would, if I was standing here on that river, I would feel so guilty the whole time. All I could think about is what are the muskie doing? If I was throwing this, what would be going on right now? And it's just grasshoppers. You're right. It's weird. The trout are going to be eating the shit out of all the grasshoppers that are in our area. And as cool as it (laughs) is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I want to do. And that's the thing is as cool as it is, is how many people enjoy it. I can't find satisfaction in it. I can stand nipple deep in muck, chucking a muskie fly, waiting for that end of my line, and and be satisfied for a whole week off of it. You know, it's you're right. It, 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 it's tough to describe. Yeah, God bless you guys. So it is, and it, you know, Larry Larry has it too. You know, he's been all over the world. He's done more than any one of us combined could hope to accomplish in angling. And he still loves muskies. You know, if you go back and watch some of the older Hunt for Big Fish episodes, he relates a lot of the stuff he's doing to back home muskies, mm-hmm. you know. And his dad was the same way. You know, his dad was a big muskie fisherman. And <clears throat> I don't want to speak out of school here and, and talk for Larry, but, like, you know, some people have it and, and it's in them. And it's just, like, you find this, this fish, this unobtainable fish. Right. When I was growing up, at least muskies were something that you couldn't catch. You know, I would come up to my uncle's cabin up here and we would catch bass and perch and pike. And occasionally even a idiot like myself would luck into a walleye. <laughs> but you would never I would never get the muskie, you know, and you'd go out. And I remember being a kid and having like a Zebco. 33 just like a lot of us started out with right and i'm trying to throw a freaking musky bucktail on this thing that's got eight pound walmart line on it and i remember breaking lures off and and i just didn't you know you're a kid you don't know but it's like not breaking them off on fish but breaking them off casting yeah you know? yeah yeah <laughs> and, and it's just like oh man these fish they're just you can't catch them you can't catch them and then you and then know you there do. was a, a turning point like in, in the middle school years where, you know, you catch one and then, you know, you maybe catch three that year and then it builds next year. You're this many next year. You're this many next year. You're this many. And all of a sudden you're in double digits and now da, 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 and you're like, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I caught six this year, you know? And you're like, you know, it's just, it just grows and this like drive for it is just, growing constantly and like I, I today perfect example today my my dude catches a muskie it was probably 34 inches and i was so jacked because we worked so hard for it and hooked it and it was like super fat fish and when it turned sideways i thought it was a big one and i'm like oh you got a big one dude like you know i'm telling him what to do pull this way pull that way da 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 we net the fish and he turns around and he's like, and this is a dude that had a three fish day with me earlier this year. You know, like we, he's seen me in action before and he's just like, dude, you get so pumped when we hook these fish. And I'm like, I can't help it, man. I'm like, I just can't help it. And whenever that stops, I guess I got to do something else, you know, but I, it's 34 inch musky and I was so freaking stoked. And it's just, that's just, I don't know, man. It just is what it is. And it's just that unobtainable fish hitting the bag. And, you know, this is, you know, thousands probably of muskies into the career. And it's like, dude, it's, it's still every single one of them is just like so bad ass. 
so Chris, you lived in Tennessee in the Toey factory, and you said the you said the the rivers would blow out when someone peed too hard, right? It's pretty much. And Todd never taught you to sling some glass. Oh man, he he <laughs> he wanted me to so many times, and I just knew that if I started doing that, I'd never freaking get out of there. Exactly, you know? I know what you mean. So I know how to do it. I've sat there and watched um, Chad and Chris and and some of the other boys, uh, Houston, and and I've watched those guys for years do it, laying sheets, rolling it out. Um, You know, something that's interesting with the not a lot of people know, but nothing on the boat is built with a chop gun, which is like the easy way to do fiberglass. Like every drift boat made, except for maybe like, the high country stuff, which was just so incredibly awesome. Um, but like, I don't think they're using a chop gun, but like every other fiberglass boat that you see, even Rangers are built with a chopper gun, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, the, and the way that the Toei guys do it is so much more labor intensive, so much more involved and so much better, you know? So I've, I've watched those guys build boat after boat after boat. I have done a little of glass work um, on some of my previous boats and a little bit of gel coat repair and things like that. But Todd, I can't tell you how many times Todd has offered, hey, why don't you go suit up and, and go work in the factory for the day? And I'm like, nah, man. Like, I sort of have this weird, this is going to sound terrible and don't judge me for it. But I sort of have this weird, like, pride thing that I'm a full-time fishing guide, and that's what I do. I guide fishing, you know, and that's how I make my living. I'm not, you know, doing other things. And and I, maybe part of it was that, where I was just like, oh, man, that's not how I do things, you know. And But part of it also was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll get in there, and, and Todd will never let me leave, you know. Yeah, it's like a college kid going to work at a steel mill in the summertime, you know, and making a ton of money and yeah. never wanting to leave. But Todd was pretty adamant, too. Like, he's taught me a lot of things about boats over the years, and he wanted me to know how to do that stuff, even if I wasn't doing it. So I've been there for every single process of building a towing boat, from spraying gel coat to laying glass to spraying webbing to rigging them out like i've literally sat there and watched chris do that stuff um and and picked it up i mean i could you know i'm not saying i could do it but i i know what they're doing you know i'm not saying i could go there and do it but when they're doing something i know what they're doing you know yeah it it's knowing man (laughs) yeah so, Chris, hey, is there anything that we haven't hit on tonight that you would like to? Uh, well, you know, it's it's fall, so we're it's it's here. So everybody's going to be out musky fishing, uh, which is great. Um, you know, something that we're running into a little bit that I would love to talk about with you guys is the influx of anglers, right? So there's more boats on the water than I've ever seen, and with that comes, uh. I don't know how the best way to put this is you need to be responsible and you need to be respectful of the other people. If you come up on somebody that's musky fishing, it is without a doubt the most disrespectful thing that you could possibly do 
is to get right in front of them and start fishing. That is the what? most disrespectful, unethical thing I have ever seen, and I've seen it a couple times this year. So how and how do you how how would you say? Doesn't it go for every type of fishing though? But how would if somebody you, steps in front of me? I mean, trout fishing. Absolutely. Like, what the fuck are you every, doing, man? Every type of fishing, but how would you, know, you how would fishing. you say to uh, to alleviate that? How far? What's what's adequate space between? Up here. Yeah. Up here, I, you shouldn't even see another person. Fuck if you yes. if you're that close to that, you can hear them talking and you can see them. You're way too close. You know. Our floats range from, you know, six and a half to nine miles. And you just need to be a mile away or a half a mile away or a quarter mile away. But to be so close that I can put a fly in your boat, that's so <laughs> unacceptable. So if, if you row up and you can hear someone in front of you, let's say someone woke up at 4.30 instead of 5.30. You know what I mean? And they sure, go to, yeah. So, so what do what you do? I would do what? Yeah, what I would do is either anchor up and wait for them to get down river, maybe wait half hour, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour and, and let create some separation, you know, or row back up and fish the spot. You just fished again. Cause I'll tell you guys, uh, that works. Like we run group trips with two and three boats sometimes and second and third boat through catches fish. You do not need to be the first boat through to catch muskies. Yes. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, you know, if they're really biting and the first thing that gets in front of them, they're biting it. And if you're having that kind of a day, sure, it pays to be the first boat. But literally nine times out of ten, doesn't freaking matter. So for someone to come up on somebody, like let's say that you are you come up on somebody and you're under a time restraint and you, you got to go. Like you find it for an hour, then what should do is you should, if you know the river, which maybe you don't, maybe you do, what you should do is row well beyond them, like a mile, you know, and get so far in front of them that they're not going to come up on you. They're not going to see you, you know. And is that a rule? Is that the law? No. But to be, to be respectful of other people and to just, you know, we're all out there doing the same thing. You know, we want to get away. You want to go out and catch fish. You want to enjoy your experience. And part of the experience up here is that there's not a lot of boat pressure. So for me to have to stare at another boat the entire day or have to be constantly looking over my shoulder, that's bullshit. You know, I mean, just to put it in the lamest terms I could think of. No, no. I saw you, you made a post about that because of the holiday weekend coming up or last weekend. And it's totally, yeah. totally acceptable. And that's something that we don't think about being not in the greatest of musky areas, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I have to add to this, and I don't know, I don't, this is really truly how I feel. And if you do that to somebody and they get mad at you and they're, they tell you about it, they're not the asshole. You are the asshole for going in front of somebody and doing that, you know? Well, sure. You are doing the wrong. If if you come up on somebody and and they're fishing, you need to respect it. You need to leave them be, you know? And 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 the guy who gets mad at you is not in the wrong. The person doing that is in the wrong. And I I you know, it, it's it's really a hot button issue with me and it 
really upsets me. But as, as you can tell, we couldn't tell, um, Chris. <laughs> hey, I, I want to ask you one question though. Like you're rowing back up river every time. You don't have uh, any kind of motorization in your boat. It's it's I, rowing no, back not, upstream. De- depending on what boat I'm in, I, you know, I have my towy with a motor, and if I'm using that, you know, I can motor around a bit. But you know, a lot of the stuff that we're doing, I'm in my drift boat, so no motor, man. That shit sucks rowing back upstream. I understand it. So, yeah, I just wondered. Hey Chris, you... it sucks, but but it 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 sucks more to be that guy, and yeah. you know, and to get in someone's way, especially if they're guiding, you know, or if you're on a new piece of water and you know that this person fishes there all the time, like just be respectful, man. I would never in a million years do that to somebody. So do you mind and when I... somebody goes around you in that spot and just goes by you, says, mind you no business and just gets around you adequately and goes by you and fishes the next hole, maybe say you don't mind that. That's... No, that's cool, man. It's not, it's not anyone's river. Right. But, when you're there, when you're in that spot, that's their spot. Oh, you know? absolutely. And and regardless of whether you want to fish it or not, tough. You know, if you really want to fish that spot, then wait. Wait. Yeah. Wait for them to finish. And then, by all means, go up in there and, and cast your heart out and, and go catch one. And you've had, or, this, you've had this happen this year? Yeah. And has it happened in years prior? No. Hmm. Okay. It's, it's, dude, it's COVID, man. I mean, it's people being off work. It's people going out fishing, which is great. You know, it's a, it's an activity that people can go do. And if they do it smartly, they can do it safely, you know, but, but to do that to somebody <laughs> is just, and I, I gotta be honest with you guys. I yelled at some kids earlier this year that did it to me. I called them kids cause they were younger than me. I don't, I have no idea how old they were. <laughs> and I felt terrible about it afterwards. So if you're listening, I apologize for getting so upset with you. But when when you it's starting to rain, guys. I'm gonna have to stand in my garage. So if I lose you, I'm sorry. <laughs> we got you, man. Hey, we got a hard um, out. We got a hard out here in about seven minutes. So we we understand. <laughs> sure. So, but like you know, I got I got I got a little bit of flack from it, and and I got to be honest. Right after I yelled at the guys, I felt bad. But you know, if you don't know, you don't know. So if somebody doesn't tell you that that's bullshit, then they, maybe you don't know. know. Now, yeah. now they know. <laughs> Absolutely. But to so, me, it's common sense. You know. Yeah. Chris, common sense is not so common nowadays. You you also yeah. made you also made another bold statement in that same post on Facebook I, that I saw about people fishing for muskies with eight weights. Yeah, totally not cool. You don't dig it one bit. Not cool at all. So where does uh, your, where's your line drawn at ten? You know, if if you're serious about being a musky angler and and you're going out there, a ten weight is a good place to start. You can do it with a nine. You know, ten weight is great. I've caught over, you know, it sounds dickheadish, but like hundred pound tarpon on on a ten weight. So obviously, to catch a twenty pound musky on a ten weight is is not. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like that much, but here's the deal. Is it the a totally different game? Not cool uh, is because that's a bass rod. You don't see in the conventional world, guys going out with a bass rod, going to musky fish. And the reason is because you have to fight the fish for too long and it's bad for the fish. 
and if you're doing stuff that's bad for the fish, then you don't love it. You know, you don't love them and you don't love the activity because you don't, you're not out there to kill them. So when I see people doing that with eight ways, to me, it's just like, it just seems disrespectful to the fish and it's just a bad idea. You know, like, sure. Can you catch a muskie on an eight weight? Absolutely. I've done it. You know, we catch them bass fishing on accident all the time. I got a muskie on a six, but should you go out there and target them with it? Absolutely not. It's, it's not cool. Um, <clears throat> you know, here, so if you catch a smaller muskie or a medium muskie, you know, something in the, you know, low thirties to 40 inch range, it's very possible to land that fish on an eight weight and to do it pretty quickly. But if you happen into a 45 plus inch muskie on an eight weight, you're getting your butt kicked. Yeah. And not only that, but you're going to have to kick that fish's butt to get it into the bag. Mm-hmm. And that's not cool, man, because that fish is old. That fish the the survival rate from a musky fry to an adult big musky the ones that we all want to catch is so small like we're talking about less than two percent mm-hmm. of the muskies that are are born make it to that size you know so if you're gonna go out there and 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 go musky fishing targeting muskies with an eight weight and you're using a a substantial fly and you you happen into a 25 plus pound fish you're gonna have to fight the hell out of that fish to get it in the bag and you guys know from watching musky conventional fishing watching a t- perfect example eric Rayowski had a ton of musky fly fishing footage out there mm-hmm. before musky fly fishing footage existed yes. right yes he was and the best you mm-hmm. watch that dude land a fish and it's always quickly no matter if it's a incher or I've been in with Eric when he's caught a 53 incher on the fly. Okay. The fights are around the same time because we have the equipment to land them quickly. Uh, going to the conventional tackle world, you're using a nine, nine and a half, you know, in, in some extremes, 10 foot rods with 80 to hundred pound test line to land that fish as quickly as possible. And the reason is, is to just get them back, just get back in the water as quickly as possible. So now, you know, it's just, it's just a hot button thing for me. And I just, I've uh, spent so long and so many hours chasing these fish and I love them beyond anything. It's like my favorite thing in the whole world, obviously. And so for when I, when I see that stuff, it's just like, it's just like, I see red, man. It's just like, oh, a quick, a quick that? extension to that question, even that. Uh, so when you're in a river and a smaller, you know, when you're fighting them more in a phone booth, though, being in a lake, do you throw a smaller rod in the river in comparison to the lake? I'm throwing an 11 and a 12 weight when I must be fishing. That's what I'm throwing. Oh, cool. There you go. Um, the G Loomis IMX Pro uh, musky rod that I helped them design is is what i'm using um and i don't ever use anything else when i'm musky fishing um even oh, if yes. i'm in a place where uh, i maybe know that i'm not going to catch a huge one i still throw a needle because it's and 
that you guys know throwing a musky fly all day is not easy. It's not easy, so, man. Even even of dudes with our stature, Chris. You know, <laughs> even you fat guys. So hey, Chris. I, I, hey, Chris. Here it's not even funny. We uh. So I I'm hurting. We're coming up on a hard out, but we just hit a a really hard subject. And can you leave us with a a funny or a, an uplifting story? About musky fishing yes. going into yeah, the fall. Totally. Sorry to be so heavy. There no, for it, a second. it is what it is, bro. <laughs> I like it. No, you're a great man. Um, sure. What you guys tell me something, and I'm sure I've had it happen. I'll tell you a story about it. What do you want to hear about? Uh, okay. So last time Mark and I went fishing, I didn't tell him, but I shit my pants. Have you had anyone shit your pants? Seriously? <laughs> I, uh, I had a licky <laughs> That's coming out here. Sunday's podcast. <laughs> Which is, uh, it's like Lyme's disease. It all makes I got sense bit now. by a tick. Oh, no shit. And that sucks, man. For, it's, it's scary. For two weeks, I was the sickest I've ever been in my life, and I was mm. puking and definitely shit my pants. So, yep. <laughs> well, that's go. not a funny story. Ticks are, ticks are serious business. It's a scary, serious thing out there. My daughter got one on her while we were out this past year, and that's, that's terrifying, man. Here's a real funny one for you during my folliculosis period i was uh <clears throat> fishing with so when you, you when you get this you have to take what's called doxycycline and it's a uh it's, it's a badass uh antibiotic right which is uh troublesome for a uh, fishing guide or someone who feels like when they don't go musky fishing that they're wasting so um <laughs> I was in the boat with uh, Brian Porter and Tim Fisher. We literally pushed off the put-in. We were in the boat for maybe five minutes, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in bad shape. It's too short. I am running into the woods because I'm going to shit my pants. And it was hot. I think it was like July. I'm sweating. I'm dying, you know. So I, I went full Costanza, and I took my shirt off, and I got it hanging in a tree. Cut my pants completely off. They're hanging in the tree. My underwear is hanging in the tree, and I am stark ass naked Wait, in the middle of the woods. So is Lucky as good a friend to you as I am to Jay and comes over and, like, photographers you pooping? Oh, no, those guys were, they, they had been dealing with this with me for days. They were so sick of me shitting and puking that, like, it wasn't even anything to them. Like, they were just like, yeah. That you know? kid, that kid. So, I'm squatted over, I'm holding the tree, I'm doing my thing, and all of a sudden I hear the sound of a four-wheeler. And I'm like, oh, Full shit. And then I hear the sound of another and another and another. And I look behind me and I realize, oh, there's the four-wheeler trail. So I am butt naked. So sick. I can't even tell you. I wouldn't wish, I would not wish for lipidosis on my worst enemy, okay? It's terrible. You feel terrible the whole time. So I'm butt naked, and these <laughs> four wheelers, uh, and they're not. I mean, you guys know, guys are on four wheeler trails. They're all pepped up on Mountain Dew and Red Bull, man. They're trying to get back. So I literally can't do anything but somehow squirrel my my pants back on, 
and I'm carrying my shirt and my underwear running through the, the woods to try to get to the river to get away from the four-wheeler trail. And I'm not done. I'm still so sick. And I literally fall into the river and just start shitting more. These guys are at this point just laughing Oh, my God. Because you can imagine I'm not a small human running through... You running through has to look like a Yeti running through. Oh, this looks ridiculous. <laughs> just ridiculous. And then I'm like, I get out there into the river and I'm just, oh, you know, and I'm puking and I'm shitting. And they're just like, dude, just, there's nothing I can do. So, so I, that's my, I taught my, my son, very best shit my pants story. I taught my son that uh, when we poop in the water, we call them aqua logs. Yeah, aqua dump. Yeah, he uh, aqua dump. Yes, he's like, thank you, Dad. Are you gonna take an aqua log today? I'm like, no, buddy. Hopefully, he, I don't have to aqua log. He took one on. He I took remember one on, yeah. you specifically going upstream of us to do no, that. yeah. <laughs> thank God we were in the raft. That was a conscious decision. Lucky is uh, Lucky is king of aqua dump. He uh, he, he he won the crown. Um, by climbing up into this tree, there was this like outhanging branch that was probably like eight feet off the the water, and uh, he squirrels himself out there, hangs his ass over the side, and drops a log, and it's just like kerploosh, like in the river. And every time I go by that spot, I'm just like kerploosh. Like there is Brian's, you know eagle perch right there that's where he climbed up and shit this is the duty hole the fecal matter <laughs> i've got one that i'll tell you really quickly that's hilarious it's not about me i had this other dude that we used to fish with all the time <clears throat> and he's real high strung he's like this guy's like 60 something years old like tommy lynch and and he's like every spot he's got to cast like 15 times into it where you would cast into it like five you know and he's just like he's just like that and he's going Willie, I got a shit. And I'm going, hey, man, I'll take you to shore and you can sh- oh, I got to fish this spot. I got to fish this next spot. I'm like, okay, well, we go fish the next spot. This goes on all day long, okay? All day long. I got a shit. Okay, let's go. Oh, no, we got to fish the next spot. Okay. So, um, we're like in sight of the takeout. And he goes, Willie, I got his shit now. And I'm like, okay, man, I'll take you to shore. This 60-something-year-old man, I'm rowing, right? Tim's in the front. Shitter man's in the back. Shitter man. He drops his waders down to his ankles, bends over. I'm not kidding you. The man shot a rope of shit past my oar. It was the worst sound I've ever heard. There was so much back pressure. It was just like the most hollowest fart and rope of turd that went past this thing. And I couldn't have been any further to the front of the rower seat. And I'm gagging. And I'm just like, like, dude, it was too much for me, you know? And it's going, Willie, where's the toilet paper? And I'm like, we're in your boat. I don't know. This is your boat. <laughs> and he's now oh, completely great, bent over with his waders around his ankles, 
<laughs> and he's completely bent over, shooting well, me the like... brown eye, trying to dig in the back seat for the toilet paper. And my buddy Tim so swiftly goes, Hey, uh, Willie, you ever want to know what hemorrhoids look like? Just uh, look over your left shoulder. <laughs> and oh, that's when I, I just ran to the front of the boat and stood up there. Boat was not anchored. We're spiraling down the Flambeau River. And and this dude is trying to find toilet paper to wipe his ass. And it was like the but hilarious thing. Oh, you have all of us fucking dying laughing holding our bellies. That was if if people don't listen this long, they lost they they lost out. That was an amazing that's a, that that's how we have to wrap it up. Oh god, Chris. Oh Jesus, that was amazing. A well well story well told. I, I felt like I was in the boat with you. Hey Chris, where can someone go book a guide trip so they can poop over your oar? <laughs> Past it. Past the oar. Uh, Chrisman.com is my website. You can find all my information on there. CW Guide is my uh, deal on Instagram. You can kind of keep up with me on there. And then just Chris Willen on Facebook. Uh, I just recently re-entered the Facebook world again and uh, started doing some stuff on there. It's pretty much the same stuff as on my gram, though. So, yeah, that's pretty much the best way to keep up. And uh, bored sitting around at COVID, you can YouTube Today's Angler. And uh, along with my name, and you'll find some pretty cool conventional tackle videos. And uh, yeah, man, thanks so much for having me back on. And I hope we uh, we kind of went from lighthearted and funny to serious to uh, real intense stuff. We 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 sort of went across here, boys. Yeah, no, we had a hell of a great time. And uh, thanks for your time, Chris. Absolutely.